TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Hey there, wonderful listeners. Thank you for joining us today on Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we have got a special little uh, interview crossover today, which we're going to do with someone uh, who's super, super tuned into the world of natural medicine. And she's going to sort of interview us and we're going to interview her. So today we'll introduce her now. Andrea, give us the rundown of who we're going to have a chat to. So this is a Wellness Women Radio and the Naked Naturopath podcast mashup, which I think is going to be really fun. So today we're interviewing the beautiful Melissa Gearing. Um, so she is the Naked Naturopath. Uh, she is fully clothed in this interview, though. We will confirm that. <laughs> um, Mel is a qualified medical herbalist. She's a nutritionist. She's also a naturopath. She's a new mum to her gorgeous little bub, Callie. And she is super passionate about prescribing herbal medicine as a tool to fighting illness and imbalance within the body. Um, she is also beautifully balanced in her mix of bringing, you know, East and West medicine sort of principles together, which is great. And she takes a very common sense approach to, I think, helping people heal and reach their health goals. And uh, we actually met her at the Wellness Summit in person uh, this year and totally hit it off. Uh, and it was great to have someone so like-minded to spend the weekend with, which was awesome. Uh, so we sh- we are sure that you are going to enjoy this episode today, everybody, because you get to know a little bit more about kind of how we work as well, which we haven't really ever gone into much detail about. This is going to be a really fun episode today. So we're going to be doing a Wellness Women, Wellness Women Radio slash Naked Naturopath mashup. And this is a, a interview that we've been wanting to do for a really long time with the incredible Melissa Gearing. And you would have heard, um, you know, how amazing she is from all the info that we've just given you. But so what we're going to be doing today, she's going to be interviewing us. So you're going to hear some, you know, more nitty gritty details about we what we do. But we're also going to be... Um, um, you know, grilling her for some really amazing information for you guys too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Mel, thank you. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio. Um, Welcome and to the Naked Thank you. And I can attest that she is actually wearing clothing. Uh, we yeah. can see her on the we can see her on the screen. And uh, I met Mel properly in person at the Wellness Summit uh, last so month, and we absolutely hit it off. We had such a great time, and she has this huge like. A, bigger than life-size pull-out banner <laughs> with a naked picture of her. And when she was going on stage, I'm like, dude, you're the naked naturopath. Like, why are you going on with clothing on? <laughs> um, but Mel, how did you how did you come up with the name, the naked naturopath? Like, how does that resonate with you? Yeah, it's such a um, good question. I It was something that I didn't think about hugely initially. I was like, I want to say I want to use alliteration and you know like you you guys have the wellness women and I just think that works really well and I was talking to my husband and he has a twin brother and we're talking about um you know just spitballing really all these different names and I think that I came down and I had just been feeding Callie and I had one of my boobs hanging out and um they were like you could be the naked naturopath you never put your clothes back on properly like rah 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 and um there's a couple (laughs) of other backstories there about me accidentally you know not doing up my pants and stuff like that um but 
essentially that's kind of it was a joke and then it just came out that way and my husband would tell you that I prefer to be naked but in terms of the podcast I really did it because I wanted to um I just wanted to like talk cut through the crap and just talk to people and so the nakedness represents that stripping back of all the bullshit around health advice and um you know bringing it back to basics for people and yeah I guess that's why it kind of fitted well with what I wanted to do Oh, I love that. And I think that's probably why um, we kind of uh, jammed so well when we were there because we were talking about just, I kind of remember the exact topics now over dinner, just a few little things. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this. I like this woman. She, she thinks like me, you know, um, there's no crap. There's so much, um, like you said, there's so much crap in the yeah. wellness industry yeah. and there's so much misinformation yeah. and there's so many fads and, you know, miracle cures and snake elixirs and all sorts of <laughs> so, uh, but Mel, you've also done your time, right? You have studied for such a yeah. long time. <laughs> I still um, study. I don't know about you guys, but it just never ends. Uh, I still study. I mean, um, I just finished actually yeah. becoming a naturopath at the start of this year properly. Um, cause for a long time I was just a herbalist and then there, you know, there was a few new laws and stuff like that that came in about, um, me not being covered by health funds as a herbalist. And so that was really frustrating for me on my client's part. So I became a proper naturopath, if you like, um, despite having a bachelor degree, which was more than a naturopathy degree anyway, when it all was put together. So, um, yeah, always studying, uh, graduated originally in 2011, but have, um, you know, kind of added things to my wall since then as it goes along, as you would know. Yeah. It's just a constant, right? Yeah. Awesome. And yeah. Mel, can I ask you, um, just while we're on that topic, just a little bit of a political question. Um, did I see that they have just passed a law that in April next year that a lot of the, you know, allied health practices are not going to be covered by um, private health insurance anymore? Is that actually going ahead? They um, do and this And is naturopathy year. part of that? Yeah, look, they do this every year. They did it last year as well. Um, it'll either be like they try and take us off high caps or okay. yeah, something simple like that, which is fine because the clients can still claim, um, the patients okay. can still take this stuff and claim, but you know, um, HCF, for example, won't allow massage or naturopathy to claim on high caps. You have to still take your receipt or, you know, do sure. it on the app or something like that. Um, so no, nothing set in stone as far as I'm aware at this stage, but they're always, always, it's a fight. It's just a battle, constant battle. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because um, that would just be such a disservice to the public and yeah, also puts yeah. so much more, uh, I guess, financial burden on the public yeah. health system if we can't utilise. Yeah. I don't think it would go Sorry, ahead. No, yeah. no, no, yeah, yeah. I don't think it will ever go ahead because um, there will just be uproar. And when it has previously, you know, other health funds have tried to take them off high caps or do bits and pieces, um, there has been uproar. So it hasn't gone ahead. So I think it's just a, a constant threat. But, um, yeah, hopefully we'll okay. ever eventuate. Okay. <laughs> Good. Thank you for uh, clarifying <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we're moving um, forward. I'm sure that's useful information for our, our audience too, especially for here in Australia with some mm. of the hoops that they have to jump through. But 
Yes. Let's let's get into the show. So, Mel, I know that you want to interview us a yes. little bit too, which I think will be interesting for our audience. So I'm going to let you jump in mm. and then we're going to bring it back to you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm super excited to have you both on the Naked Naturopath. And, um, Andrea, you've done a little bit of talking, but Ash, you're there in the background. Uh, just hang in. Just hiding. Just, yeah, just, just hang just in. Just letting you girls uh, get on a roll because, you know, three-way talks sometimes can get a little bit yeah. people like, hang on, who's talking right now? <laughs> so what I'd love to do, totally. though, is like um, I guess – we spoke a lot about fertility in women and um, reproductive health at the Wellness Summit. Um, but what I'd love to know is, is is that all you guys do? What do you do? Um, and how do you treat it as chiros? Because that was something that was really intriguing for me. I do it with herbs and, and supplements and stuff like that. But as a chiro, how do you come at your daily treatment, um, you know, uh, your client list, your plan? That's a great question, Mel, because it's something that is uh, challenged within our own profession because mm. of certain labels and certain, you know, lacks of supporting evidence and things like that. Um, I know for both of us, we certainly build great uh, networks around us with other allied professionals yes. because the value of what we do is self-evident in the results we get. So yeah. I think for me personally, you know, working with midwives and doulas, and I actually have a gynecologist who refers in. That's great. Um, which is, yeah, which is really cool. It's a nice sort of thing to go, okay, Okay, so they recognize that whether they believe in what we do or not, you know, when a, when a client or patient goes back to them and says, I'm feeling X, Y, Z, they start to go, oh, okay, um, there must be something that they're doing that helps this person yeah. and let's see if they can help the next one. Um, so I reckon they're using us like a test test case sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if we can't help, then see that proves the point they mm. have, which is uh, that chiropractic doesn't work. But, you know, we all know that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I specifically work in the area of um, prenatal care and uh, pregnancy. I really love working with pregnant women. Um, there's just so much that can be done to help optimise and align the pelvis, um, all the soft tissue structures in the pelvis, the actual skeletal structures in and around the pelvis and the lower spine, which are innately connected through the birth process itself. Mm. So, you know, for, from my perspective, I just think, you know, well-balanced woman, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, gives mm. a, every chance possible of a, of a natural birth experience uh, without intervention and unnecessary medical uh, procedures. So, yeah. you know, my home ex- my home birthing experience certainly reflected the lifestyle choices that I make and the support team that I had around me um, and a well-balanced body and, you know, the hard work that went into creating that opportunity. Now, there's no guarantees. And Absolutely. I always say to women when it comes to birth and fertility and pregnancy, no one gives you the guarantee. There is no such guarantee. And I could have done all that work and still ended up in King Eddie's and, you know, had emergency Caesar. Just and like that's me. just sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, and yet sometimes that's, you know, the safety factor that comes down to mm. mother, mother's, you know, and child safety. But for the most part, what women don't realise is that the majority of births are uncomplicated mm births that can easily be done at home um, but they've been scared into this idea that that the birth is a medical experience not Absolutely. not a natural womanly experience and uh, that's yeah so I think chiropractic from that perspective looks at the woman as a whole um, just like you I'm sure you do with herbs as well because you can't mm. put it in and say just treat that toe or just yeah. go to the pelvis <laughs> or you know just just no you're only allowed to touch the liver you can't put something in and expect it to be a localized response it's yeah. a systemic response and that's the same with the neurology behind the chiropractic adjustments. So you're looking at it from that holistic perspective. You're coming in, you're giving them an adjustment 
adjustment, say uh, for me, my pelvis was definitely tipped forward on one side very early. So I had that put back in, which made my comfort levels much better with this huge belly. But also you're going to have the added benefit, I guess, Cairo, um, of aligning the the nervous system um, as well, you know, like all that neural stuff and and helping with anxiety and um, like mental health complaints as well. I found that, you know, after I'd had an adjustment, I felt super clear and had that clarity as well. So that helped me there. I, um, I don't know, you know, if that's an intended thing, but that's definitely what, <laughs> what I got out of it. And, um, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah I guess having that holistic perspective, cause you are treating the whole body. Um, but you said, you mentioned prenatal, do you do any preconception care? Like if people are wanting to try, yeah, Andrea, that's uh, you love. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Your turn. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Uh, I'll jump in there. So, um, I usually, I usually get people a long time before they're pregnant, um, and I think, like, even though we see people from all walks of life, the majority of my practice is women um, and women with all sorts of funky hormonal things going on, <laughs> um, including, uh, you know, it might be they've been painting with that brush of infertility or subfertility, um, and they may also concurrently be going through, you know, assisted reproductive um, technology as well, mm-hmm. so like IVF or ICSI or something like that. Um, and the... I guess your question is almost philosophical, Mel, when you're asking, like, you know, how, how do we how do we treat that um, being chiropractors? And uh, if you ask, like, an old-school chiropractor, they'll say to you, we don't actually treat anything. What we do is we make sure that the nervous system is functioning optimally and then the body does the rest, you know? Mm. So the any kind of flow and effect from that. So say um, maybe their period pain diminishes or their cycle regulates or, um, you know, your anxiety, like what you were mentioning um I think there's definitely like a bitch button, like when you know people come in and they're super cranky or anxious and it definitely there is a change in their system post-adjustment, which is amazing. Um, but, yeah, it, it's almost um, philosophically speaking that uh, the chiropractic premise, I guess, is based on that idea that if we make sure that the nervous system is free of interference and the body is able to function, you know, hopefully optimally. So, there's that standpoint, but I've also gone ahead and done, you know, two master's degrees in like, like what you were saying, there's yeah. just, <laughs> the study never, never ends. Um, so, uh, and that's what kind of forced me into that. So I did uh, a study of reproductive medicine and women's health medicine as well. And that has sort of allowed me to have a much deeper understanding of, I guess, just the pathology that can go on um, and all the other things and other factors that lead to maybe um, hormonal imbalances and everything else. And I think the specific techniques that we gravitate towards as well allows us to kind of play in that space too. Um, So, for example, um, in practice every day, I'm doing things like uterus lifts or, uh, you know, working on certain hormonal pathways and those sorts of things. And that's just with the the type of techniques that that we do in practice as well. Yeah, it's amazing. And I absolutely love it. And it's incredible seeing the changes in, you know, the people um, that we're working with as well. It's just... Yeah, so rewarding. Um, and in terms of preconception going, um, a very long-winded way of going back <laughs> to your question, um, preconception care I think is so important because the health of the body and the egg 
that is making that baby or that is going to become that baby, but also the health of the body and the sperm, that is the genetic potential that is going to determine the health of that child for the rest of their life. Absolutely. Um, So... It always blows my mind when I get questions after events, like when we're in Melbourne, I had a few women coming up to me saying, now, is it just a myth that you can't drink while you're pregnant? And I'm like, no, 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 that is not a myth. You cannot drink alcohol while you are pregnant. And we had to have a very serious discussion about that. And I had to explain to them why that is the case. And one of the things that I like to try and instill in the women who are wanting to conceive is that you have to act as if already. Mm, Absolutely. So during that kind of preconceptive time, you know, hopefully at least three to six months leading up to trying that they're already acting as if. So they're already reducing their stress levels. They're hopefully trying to get their ducks in a row. They're, um, you know, taking the correct, um, you know, herbs and supplementation that will support that optimal fertility as well. Um, and, you know, avoiding alcohol and excessive sugar that might be retarding their ovulation and all sorts of other things. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even from an preconception. Yeah standpoint we we beg women to give us three months <laughs> and yes, you know, that's to yeah, clean yeah. that system up and and help to produce that beautiful baby and it's you know the I'll give a shout out to my most favorite prenatal brand who sponsors some of my podcasts and um, it's a naturopath made label called Natural Best and she has done research and she speaks to um, midwives and gynees and doctors of all kinds about the importance of preconception and she actually had a research article that she was talking about the other day to me that showed that that three-month preconception uh, period of looking after yourself and doing all those things um, can actually make a more aesthetically um, appealing baby. So we're looking at literally making a a better-looking baby with the right preconception because it's survival of the fittest, right? And the better-looking, the better-looking people get further in life and all that stuff, like it's crazy. (laughs) Attract that the part. Everyone wants a super cute bub, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then that will attract a, a you know attractive partner, and then that will reproduce a, another attractive baby, and so on and so forth. So yeah, really cool. Really cool oh, stuff. That's oh, so now funny. I, that, I totally that, understand why Oliver's such a cute baby. Then, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. Uh, I totally oh, thought that. Yeah, it's won the genetic lottery with you yeah. and Pete right there, Ash. That's oh, for sure. No. <laughs> I just, I just remember thinking how important it was. You know, hundred days, hundred days. You know, making sure yeah. that everything's right in their lifestyle, organic, everything. Like yeah. super, super switched on to the uh, the attention to detail, almost like manic. But there's a payoff there, and I didn't realize it was aesthetic. So that's yeah, no, that's just an extra bonus. <laughs> you know, no, yeah, low, right. low risk of allergies, low risk of heart disease, like, uh, you know, all that yeah. stuff as well comes into play. The, the genetics of your bub will just be stronger. He'll be less predisposed to disease. Oh, Amazing. and he doesn't want that. And also if you think about the hormonal burden as well on women that then is transferred to bub at the same time. So, um, like I'm referring to those studies that they've done where they've tested the cord blood mm. of bubs and checked for like the endocrine disrupting chemicals and the xenoestrogens and all sorts of things. And in 100% of cases, there's like thousands and thousands of toxic mm. chemicals that they've been able to identify. And 
just allowing your system to maybe have less of that burden before you conceive would be amazing. And Mel, when you were talking at the wellness summit, uh, your talk was hilarious. Um, (laughs) you were saying that, you know, pretty much everything's going to kill us. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but it's okay. Can you kind of, uh, unpack that for us a little bit when you were saying how the, the level of toxicity that we're exposed to right now? It's insane, right? It's like, um, you know, I, I asked everybody to take a big, deep breath in to start with and I did actually record this talk on the Naked Naturopath um, a few casts back but after taking that deep breath in I told them that you know they've just breathed in approximately over 700,000 different toxic um, byproducts in the air that we breathe every day so uh, we're exposed not only by our lungs, but by our skin and by our food and by our water and by our clothing. Our sheets are soaked in formaldehyde to get them, you know, crisp. You know, when you open up like new sheets and new clothes, that's yeah. formaldehyde. Like that's insane, right? Lots of people love to just go in and wear new clothes because of that feeling, but we really need to make sure we're washing them um, even just to get rid of that because that toxin, you know, goes onto our skin and that is going to have an effect on our body. But I also did point out that uh, women, when we breastfeed, we kind of dump around 60 to 70% of our toxic load into bub when we breastfeed Mm -hmm. in the first six months. And breastfeeding is so important and my bubba is now 13 months and I still breastfeed her. But um, that's just one of those, um, you know, negative, uh, I guess, side effects of the toxic life that we live and having that preconception would reduce that to um you know a a lot like would have reduced that immensely um just having a clean up before you conceive um even awesome yeah that alone and when when you say a clean up Mel, what sort of things do you do with women to help get them sort of baby ready yeah so i do i do a range of um i guess herbs herbs are my primary go-to so hormone balancing building them up making sure that they have plenty of nutrients phytonutrients and antioxidants in their system um but also i love that natural breast uh, preconception range it's not just one pregnancy multi it's a preconception it's a trimester one and two it's a trimester two and three breastfeeding so our changes our, our needs throughout pregnancy and conception change and it's really important that you have I guess support for those different periods um, as well and we talk a lot about that fourth trimester you know that breastfeeding trimester and to me like that was the hardest for me it was um yeah definitely the most difficult in terms of um you know i lost a lot of weight breastfeeding and that really affected my mental health and just the sheer exhaustion of of doing that um was yeah insane but diet 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 is the other thing and um yeah i oh, i'm just trying to remember i can't remember the stats but i was reading something from nikki warren who is the natural best creator about diet being the number one most important factor and a good pregnancy multi or preconception multi comes into play there, you know, because it should be from natural food sources, herb sources, all that kind of stuff instead of the synthetic, um, you know, synthetic options that we can come across. Yeah, exactly. And it's that old adage of you can't supplement your way out of a terrible diet, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sure. Mel, when we're talking um, preconception food, is there certain things that you get them to avoid? Um, you Apart know, from like, the obvious. Yeah, yeah. I I try not to take food away from people overall in my you know in my practice. I just think there's too much of that already. But definitely, definitely reducing 
inflammatory foods, toxic foods, things that maybe don't serve any purpose in the diet. So things like alcohol, you know, there's no nutrients there. It's empty calories, you know, it's like, and it's toxic to the body. So things like that, we're definitely going to look at reducing. I love to put in um, loads of fat. Fat is really important for mum's brain, but also to create baby's brain. Um, that brain is like 70, 70% fat. So if there's no, um, there's not enough fat in the diet. It's really difficult um, to produce that brain. And when when we're creating a barber in that first trimester with that nervous system, you, your mum's um, DHA, for example, which is a um, a, um, a nutrient, is literally sucked out of her brain into creating the bubba's brain so if she's not putting in extra nutrients to make more of that then she's going to be feeling pretty fatigued and foggy and you know we talk about baby brain that's essentially what yeah. it is so looking at i guess whole foods but also what specific nutrients um, we can get out of those macros awesome that gives a whole new meaning to baby brain right yeah <laughs> <laughs> like literally taking parts of yours to put into yeah. the baby <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's what it is right and the same with iron like if you have low iron throughout your pregnancy it's going to affect bubba's ongoing health um and the ability of that baby then to store iron in its longevity in its life um and your outcomes for birth uh as well so you'll be more likely yeah. to hemorrhage and stuff like that so yeah yeah Really important. Awesome. I like that, Mel. It's, it's, it's super sensible as well. And I like that your stance that you try not to take too much stuff away because I think that you're right that we're so restrictive and yeah. so dogmatic about, you know, so many things. Yeah. And so you guys are working with, um, you mentioned, because I was really interested in if you used any supplements at the summit in terms of helping yeah. women. Do you do diet as well? Oh, totally. And uh, exactly what you said, the the diet is such a keystone. Uh, you know, it's one of the it, – it's a timeless health principle that you just can't get away from. You can't um, – can't have a crappy diet and expect anything else to work. It's going to change the way your body heals and functions. It's, you know, our, our entire system is re- returning over and replacing itself every seven years. If you're eating crap, that's what you're trying to make your brand new body on. Yeah. Or if you're eating crap, that's what you're trying to build your baby on. It just, yeah. you know, and especially working with hormonal function and hormonal pathways because your metabolic system is so critical mm-hmm. to that. And also because of the, the fact that your hormones are made from proteins and fats. So yeah. you need excellent quality versions of those to to make them and then because you know obviously our gut health is so critical also for hormonal balance making sure that everyone has excellent quality fiber and plenty of it and you know just from a baseline um you know the, the diet is essential and that fiber is going to fit yeah, yeah, I mean, look, we generally work on a triad of, you know, health process in the sense that it's that physical, chemical, and emotional triad that you need to work with in, um, in any person mm. to achieve optimal health. And I'm sure you do the same in your practice because you just can't work on one piece of that triangle alone. You, you can't just be all about diet and expect a, a total overhaul in someone's lifestyle. You know, the physicality has to be there too from us as a perspective of chiropractic. We work on the physical nature of the structure, mm. which has a knock-on effect of bio 
biochemical pathways, you know, and that's there, there's the neurology of it, you know, like the, the synapses and transference through chemical pathways. And then, of course, you know, that addition of the, the chemical being nutrition as well. Um, and then mindset, you know, structure, mindset, function, how, how mind governs body, governs structure. We had an amazing chat to uh, some of our favourite people in the world and one of those um, we did recently. And he was talking about how, you know, mind changes cellular function and you could eat crap food but believe it's good for you and it actually has more beneficial effect on the body <laughs> than if you were to eat crap food believing it's bad for you with a fear-based mentality. Wow. And I thought that was just like rock and roll. That yeah. is amazing. <laughs> so I can eat chocolate and uh, I don't get that. No, I'm just kidding. That understanding of how, you know, the body and mind work because yeah. it was just suddenly a real it was a light bulb moment for me I've read it before but just when I was watching him as he was speaking I just thought isn't that fascinating that we can have a mental you know belief that something we're eating is toxic harmful dangerous and it's going to have a detrimental effect to our body because we believe it to um, and yet meanwhile he's talking about processes where people drank arsenic and didn't die yeah, because wow. they believed that they wouldn't and they believed in every cell of their body they wouldn't and it's just yeah. like oh my goodness so don't try that at home no like, don't go and drink something <laughs> poisonous believing it won't when it will um but this is you know, just talking about the extremes of the spectrum so you know your herbs you know from that perspective mel is is that it fits beautifully within the chemical mm -hmm. and physical components I just don't have the time to convince uh, my every cell in my body that eating the, all of those lollies are good for me. I just <laughs> it's just easier not to. But there's so much oh, joy that funny. you get out of food as well, which comes into that mind perspective, you know, and like having mm. a little bit of chocolate every now and then gives you joy and, and that gives you positive energy and that has it does have a positive effect on your health as well. And it's about moderation, isn't it, rather than um, eating like a, a whole bag of lollies or a whole block of chocolate at once. You, like my chocolate sits in the fridge for a month or more and I just have a little bit and I enjoy it so much more. Oh, you guys can see your face. Yeah, I'm you've not got eating. so much more self-control than me. It, if it was a no, if it was a cheese, we about. It probably wouldn't be able to oh. keep it that long. But chocolate, I can leave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that that comes down to the this concept that we're sitting in a society right now with a perpetual mindless consumption, and that's on the frames of so many levels. That's the food we eat, it's the products we consume, it's the way we get to and from work. It's just like mindless consumption of of media, social media. We just are not present enough to see what we need that's valuable for our health and well-being and that's why I love so much the work you're doing and the work that you know we're trying to do as well is to get that consciousness out yeah. there to build an understanding that health comes from within that you know you are in the driver's seat you are in control it's not accidental it doesn't just happen to you it's not bad luck it's not mm. blaming your parents for all your bad genetics because yeah. <laughs> we know so much more about you know the idea of epigenetics now so um, and this is where supporting health and well-being through through practices like diet, lifestyle, nutrition, herbal supplementation is such a critical component yeah. that we just cannot overstate enough and it's almost ad nauseum that we say it I all know. the time. <laughs> and also I guess finding that balance because I do you know, you get people in who are on those fads and who are at the other end of the spectrum where they've cut so many foods out that they've caused themselves to have issues with um with, you know, different foods and stuff like that. And then that that mental component of it does come in where they've got such anxiety 
around food and doing the exact perfect right thing. So finding that middle ground where health is and where happiness is. Um, and that's what, you know, that's what you've just described. So super important. Yeah, it's it's always quite disheartening seeing people who will come in who have seen like, you know, maybe 15 different practitioners who have a whole host of diagnoses, yeah. maybe from such extreme testing, and they'll come in with bags of medications and supplements, and they're so stressed that nothing that they're doing is going to be beneficial because yeah. they're so concerned about the diagnoses that they've been given or yeah, it's just, it's such a frustrating thing. And often a lot of the work that has to happen with them has got to start upstairs um, because yeah. lowering their stress levels <laughs> and just focusing on maybe something that they're passionate about and giving them, helping them to have their, their, I guess their life to have a bit of a sense of purpose other than just, you know, focusing on everything that's wrong with their body yeah, yeah. can well, make such well, a big shift. I would ask, you know, I think speaking to you as a natural, uh, you know, person that you are in regards to looking at from a holistic perspective nutritionally, Mel, how do you deal with people who come in with, for example, they're taking 25 different supplements yeah. a day? How do you, because I've always been curious, how how can we streamline that? Because clearly if we're so toxic and deficient, we need 40 different things in every given day. Something's really not working. Yeah, what sure. do you do in those situations? How do you help people streamline? Because I know a lot of our listeners are probably sitting there thinking, oh, my God, but I take this, this, and this, and then I take four of those, and I take one of those, then I have a smoothie, and I add in four, 14 different <laughs> supplements, and then I, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. pretty extreme. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, without uh, disrespect, often I've found that they've come in as prescriptions from people who, when I say should know better yeah. or do better, and yeah. suddenly they've, they've got $400 a month of supplementation that they may yeah. or may not need. That's questionable. Yeah. Um, but I know that they're not happy with the outcome. So what do you do? How do you work with, with people to help them through those, mm. I guess, over prescriptions, bringing it back to something more uh, lifestyle appropriate? Yeah, I think, um, well, for starters, the bar is being raised in terms of who can prescribe, which is great in our industry. Mm. Um, you know, you mm. can't just do a few diplomas and be handing out, you know, all that stuff anymore. You have to do a bachelor degree, which should have been done a long time ago, but that is done now. So that is great from this awesome. year. Um, so hopefully we see a bit of a, you know, change with that, mm-hmm. but there's still going to be crappy naturopaths and there's still going to be, you know, um, crappy herbalists and stuff who are just pounding out stuff for money and there's ethics, there's issues with ethics in there. But I often have people, yes, come in with a green bag of, uh, you know, like a green bag full of supplements. And I'm just like, nobody yeah. needs that many supplements for starters. Most of them are synthetic. So not, yeah. they're not going to assist. They're going to put extra pressure on your body to detoxify another thing. You know, like that's that's a whole other chemical or toxin that it has to deal with. And every, even my herbs, every single thing that we put into our body has to be processed. It ha- it's all medicine. It needs to be accounted for and it needs to be, um, yeah, processed by the body. And some of it can take a heavier toll than others. Often when they come in with that green bag, I'll um, pretty much take it all off them. <laughs> With, with all due respect, and I will try and integrate it where I can if it's good enough quality. Um, but I have a conversation with them about why are you taking this? What's it for? Have you felt a difference? Um, you know, when did you start it? Have you felt any difference? And if not, yeah. why do we need to keep taking it? Is it worth it? If it was 20 bucks and it's, um, you know, a synthetic like crappy B vitamin with all those horrible unactivated bits and pieces and heavy metal iron and 
um, all this stuff that they just their body's going to actually be sorry for rather than be benef- benefiting from. Um, then I try and explain that to them and take it off them. And I have had an issue consults. Oh, sorry. That's a big deal. Yeah. yeah sorry, it's a big deal because I think that uh, the general message out there when it comes to supplementation and support like that is often more is better. Yeah, absolutely. And I try to, I mean, all supplements are probably great in some degree, but are they great for you? Are they great for you and what's going on for you? Do they serve a purpose? Are they addressing a symptom? Do you feel different on them? Because everybody, you know, everybody knows how great turmeric is. But what type of turmeric are you taking? What are you taking it for? You know, different different parts of turmeric do different things. And, um, you know, like some people can have adverse effect where their gut is really upset by a whole herb turmeric if they take too much. Um, they can get diarrhea and stuff like that. So it doesn't suit everybody and not everybody needs it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And it's funny how we go through fads, right? Uh, yeah. in, in terms of supplementation, <laughs> krill you know, oil. The, krill oil was horrible. <laughs> oh, yes, there was the krill oil fad. There was oh yeah, gosh, um, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but yeah, hilarious that all of a sudden in waves, people are coming in mm. with the exact same thing. I'm like, where are you getting this information from? Health Who food. I worked in health that food. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I worked in health food for many, many years, and there's a lot, a lot of money from pharmaceutical companies put into supplementation where they can patent a certain ingredient and then push it out mass, you know, mass media, mass stream. Um, but yeah, krill oil was definitely, it was, um, the research wasn't there at all and it was completely consumer driven from the marketing that was put behind it. So people saying they want a krill oil, they want it stronger, they want more. Um, you know, and we got to a point there where the whales didn't have enough krill to bloody eat because we were taking it in huge, huge ships, um, which is, yeah, and processing it on the water because we wanted it so quickly. Jeez, that is disgusting. And yeah. no one ever thinks about the behind the scenes of this sort yeah. of stuff, do they? No, and people would come in and I'd give them this huge speech about krill oil and they'd just like kind of walk out going, oh, I'm just going to, I could see on their face they're going to go to Woolies and buy their krill oil. <laughs> they didn't listen oh, to no. me. Because <laughs> I'm going, yeah, I'm going to kill the whales. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, I love it. No, you, uh, you plant your flag, lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a bit well, going kind of full circle back to your question about diet, um, it is completely just one of the, the keystones of health. And we have created like our, for example, our 28-day hormone reset um, program, which is just like a, the long line thing that we do with some of our listeners and that is completely just nutrition based it's just diet based we don't um advise any supplementation or anything like that for you know the process um and there's really good really clear evidence that shows that you can change hormonal pathways just with food Mm -hmm. as well which is incredible. Uh, yeah. And most of the time these women are already doing too much. They're already taking too many things yeah. in the first place. So it's nice just to simplify things and sometimes. That's the other thing. Like supplementation should be short term. You know, maybe yeah. maybe there's a like a handful of things that people need to take long term depending on their lifestyle and depending on what, you know, where they're at and if their disease is chronic and all that kind of stuff. But I really believe that herbs can do a lot of that work and herbs for me are food. They are food as medicine. Um, they're coming from plants, all that kind of stuff, very different to supplementation. Um, but supplements should be short term. I, I totally, yeah, agree with that. And you, you should come to a place where you can do all that work with food, maybe with a supporter herb 
times, um, you know, but yeah, with food um, and lifestyle alone. And I think we, we, I always sort of say to people, what do you think the word supplement means? You know, yeah. it's not replacement. Yeah. It's just supplement. It's a, it's the, the word and name in itself gives you an indication of the intention. Um, it doesn't say replacement. It doesn't mean you can go and not eat foods in For order sure. to just get your vitamin B so you can take a supplement. Um, so it's, it's great that you recognise and promote the same message of, you know, food is medicine because I think, you know, it's a, there's a tipping point. There comes a time when eventually we start to see that and we're seeing that already and I'm sure you are too in Newcastle there as well, the the growth and evolution of shops and venues and stores that promote, you know, plant-based foods, that sell vegan, sell, you know, vegetarian, any number of scenarios yeah. that support people with health choices and even, so, you know, as much as we don't love the big big brands but sometimes even the Coles and the Woolworths are now showing, you know, sections in the stores with organics and things like that. So yeah. that's consumer-driven choice-making yeah, that big dollars have decided we need to get on board with this yes, we'll cash because, in. <laughs> yeah, because because consumers are demanding it. Yes. So, you know, we, I think you know, between uh, the work that we're all doing, it's, it's increasing the awareness and understanding the intelligence of people to make better choices. Um, I just love, I think, from the perspective of that holism that you come from as well, that bringing together so many uh, teachings, you know, the that resonate, but also teachings that didn't change recently, just yeah. like chiropractic yeah. <laughs> It's been been in play for quite some time. Yeah. It's not uh, a new fad or a fashion. Oh, that's my little bit saying good morning, everyone. <laughs> that might mean I have to, uh, to, yeah. to run now, guys. Oh, we've had such a good chat, but it's been so great. I think that we'll definitely do another podcast because there's a topic there that we really wanted to cover, so we'll get back to it. And um, you, you go see your little man this morning. <laughs> yeah thanks so much ash um and well we can wrap up here but i know that you wanted to cover um and we can do that now if you want you wanted to talk about that 12-week rule yeah i think just coming back to it with you guys um seeing so much fertility and, oh that's mine Hello, oh my Baba. gosh this is hilarious <laughs> This is like uh, such a typical day I know. Uh, in just real life. This Working is real life, women's right? life. Yeah. No, she's going for a yeah. ride on her bike, I think. So we've probably got five minutes. Um, yeah, like, <laughs> so what I wanted to do with you is really challenge that 12-week rule, rethink it. Um, you know, the first 12 weeks um, that we keep secret is when most of the worst symptoms happen for a lot of women you know we've got like fatigue and severe morning sickness most women have morning sickness we need to make dietary changes lifestyle changes and we kind of have to lie and make up reasons about why and then the other issue is you know one in four women miscarry and so do we have to therefore then go through that miscarriage alone or do we need to go to people that we love and say, look, I was pregnant, yay, but I had a miscarriage, oh, and they have to then process all that news at once. Um, I, just, I just think that it needs to be rethought and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and um, talk to you about it a bit, I guess. Yeah, Mel, I completely agree with you because, you know, although I haven't been pregnant um, and, you know, I'm not a mum, like I see, I work with pregnant women mm. and women trying to conceive every single day. Yeah. And often, particularly if they've been, you know, maybe fertility challenges in the first place, mm-hmm. well, if they do conceive and even if, unfortunately, that does end in a miscarriage, that's still something to be celebrated. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I, I don't know who started this 
12 week thing that says that you can't tell anyone about it and you shouldn't announce it and that you shouldn't put it on social media. Oh. But I think that's, you know, it's completely a personal choice. But um, yeah, I Googled weeks. it, right? I Googled, I was like, where the hell has this come from? And it emerged because at that 12 weeks, it's meant to be a bit safer, you know, like you have a less risk of miscarriage. However, miscarriage can happen anytime. And, you know, you can go through the entire pregnancy and like a very good friend of mine, have a stillborn, baba. Or, you know, that, you know, (laughs) that baby could be lost in childhood or we could, we could be, um, you know, we can die as well. Like it's never a hundred percent surety and and you've got to live life each day and celebrate it. Like you said, celebrate it. But that myth, I guess that, you know, that traditional perspective, um, where you got the scan at 12 weeks and, and make sure everything's okay and, and all that kind of stuff, all those decisions, maybe if you wanted to terminate for some reason would have been made. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where. Sure. kind of seem to have come from which i just if you think back to maybe some of the traditional cultures surely that is the time when the woman has the most support absolutely uh, because you know the fatigue can be extreme the symptoms can be completely extreme and the emotional ups and downs as well and what i hear from a lot of my patients is that just keeping the secret is so exhausting for it's them stressful because who wants to lie to, Who wants to lie to their friends and family? Absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're lying to people and they don't want to, but for some reason there's just this, you know, we're enculturated to think that you can't tell people yeah. about this because if something happens, then it's, you know, it's your own personal business. No one yeah. wants to share bad news. And it's a bit of superstition, I guess. Like, you know, if we tell people yeah. before 12 weeks something bad might happen, um, yeah, but I just, I can't stand that superstitious stuff. Like it's so frustrating. I was flat on my back for four weeks with morning sickness. So I couldn't work. I couldn't leave my bedroom, you know, um, my, yeah, people had to come visit me. Um, but, so we didn't have a choice. We like, we really had to tell people cause I was that sick. People were worried. Yeah. Oh, Mel, you poor thing. That sounds horrific, <laughs> but exactly. And isn't that the time that you would want the most support? Yeah. And it's just part of this thing that women just have to be so stoic and they have to do everything themselves. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I would really encourage any women, if you want to tell people, then do. If you want to share it with your loved ones and you want support, then do so. And if, them, yeah. unfortunately, you know, something happens or you miscarry, you know, it does happen one in four cases like what you said. Or if you do make a different choice, and that's absolutely fine. Um, well, at least you'll have people around you who well. can support you. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, many, many women, you know, like I have women come into the clinic and they're like, oh, I'm pregnant and um, it's my first baby, but I've actually had five, six, seven miscarriages um, before yeah. and I'm the only one that they're telling. And that's incredibly hard that's completely not allowed any space for that grief, um, you know, with those bubbers and they're carrying a lot of that um, angst and that anxiety into this pregnancy as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think also because of the fact that no one really talks about it, when something does go wrong, they have no idea what to do. Yeah. So I had a patient recently, quite a few actually, just in the last few weeks who have all miscarried and they were calling me because they're like, now what happens? You know, what is the process? Because no one talks about it. And so, you know, I was saying, well, look, usually medically speaking, this is what happens. This is what the process is. This is what you can expect. Um, And it's just really sad that they don't know that information. Mm. So yeah, 
I love it, Mel. Let's totally challenge that. Yeah. that 12 week rule. <laughs> and if people want to keep it a secret, that's totally fine as well. You keep your 12 weeks to yourself and you just enjoy it and um, tell people yeah. when you're ready. But if you, I think that if women are feeling like they want to tell people, they shouldn't be having to carry that burden of guilt about wanting to tell people either. We've got enough guilt in our life. We don't need extra when something positive and beautiful is happening inside us. So we should be able to tell people. Yeah, I love it. Uh, oh, Mel, thank thanks you. so much for um, for allowing us to thank do this you. little mashup today. Yeah, it was it's great. Been so fun. Uh, and we will definitely, uh, you know, do some follow-ups at another time where we can, you know, do specific topics and, come and, and visit you and get things. maneuvered as well. Get maneuvered, get, <laughs> get adjusted, get adjusted. You're hilarious. <laughs> well, I don't want to use the C word. I don't want to get, you know, cracked. Oh no, we don't use that word. No, no, no it's very, yeah, I no, don't use that. The, yeah, no, the, the language, the uh, the lexicon around it is very, very specific, mm. very important. Mm. Yes. <laughs> awesome, Mel. Thank oh, you. Thanks so much. I can't wait to see you at the next um, the next summit or the yes. next event. Yes, yes, if I don't get there beforehand. Uh, ladies, we hope that you have thoroughly enjoyed our little One or Two on Radio and the Naked Naturopath mashup today. If you want to know more about Mel, you can go to her website. Um, you can also, which is, um, I'm sure I'm going to find it here somewhere. Um, otherwise, just uh, look for the Naked Naturopath uh, on the Wellness Couch as well. Um, she's written a couple of books, which is amazing. Her second recipe book is The Gut Blueprint. So please make sure you check that out as well. Um, or you can just look up uh, Melissa Gearing. I think it's .com.au, but we'll post a link below anyway. It's uh, mgherbs.com. Ah, so much Super better. I, I, knew it was, I knew it was something like that. Um, so, ladies, we'd love to hear uh, what your thoughts were about this episode. Make sure you're communicating with, with us on social media. So, facebook.com forward slash The Wellness Women. Uh, we're on Instagram at The Wellness Women Official. And, ladies, until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.